Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes. Hey, that hey, will hey, help everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Growth. On today's episode, we have Dee Bowden, founder of BCS Solutions, and she teaches small businesses how to solve their cash flow problems. She was most recently featured in Forbes magazine, also is noted as one of the top 50 most influential women in 2021 for VIP Global Magazine. Dee's been featured in Thrive Global, and she's the author of Collect the Cash, The Sale is Not Complete Until the Money is in the Bank. Dee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so very much, Angel. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and with your listening audience. I am so happy to have you here and have this conversation because money is my favorite topic. Mine too. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love for the audience to learn a little bit more about you. How did you get into being a recovery specialist and all of the great things that people should know about you? Well, you know, Angel, that's a great question. So what I like to say, I usually kind of answer the question like this. I say, you know, good morning and good afternoon, good evening to your fabulous listeners around the world. I am Dee Bowden. I'm originally from Boston, now living in the great state of Maryland. Fun facts about me. I love cool jazz, smooth jazz, Ferris wheels, and a hot air balloon rides. And so the question was, how did I get into this? So about 15 years ago, I used to work for a small IT company outside of Boston, where I'm from. How it is when you get hired for a company, they say, welcome aboard. You get your cubicle, you get your box. And I jokingly say, you get your plant. And so I got hired by this company to collect $8 million in outstanding receivables. Yeah, take a breath. Every time I tell the story, I'm like, what, $8 million? Yeah, $8 million. So I get to my cubicle, I sit down and I'm looking at how did this company sell IT services, computer services, et cetera, and have $8 million in outstanding receivables. So I'm a person of faith. So I had a short conversation with God. It kind of went like this. Hey, God. Yes, D. How are you? You know what, God? Overall, I'm fantastic. But I got this $8 million problem and I needed a clue on what I'm supposed to do to resolve this. And so I got quiet. And what I discovered was that with business to business collections, which is part of money, is that it's three things. It's problem solving, number one. It's customer service, number two, and the secret sauce for me is gratitude. And so how I got here was I ended up getting hired by this company. I had the short prayer. I got my clue, which was problem solving, customer service, gratitude. I went on to work with with these customers and I collected $6 million in 60 days while working part-time. Now, most people are like, oh my gosh, Steve, that's amazing. It is. But how I really got here was that after collecting that much money and working on a team, the CEO of the company says, listen, we need to have a chat. Now, originally, I'm thinking oh, I'm, me and my team were going to get a bonus for collecting all this money. No. We come downstairs and he says, listen, I want to thank everybody across sales, contracts, order entry, order fulfillment, invoicing, and my lane collections, a- a.k.a. accounts receivable. Thank you all for your services. We've made an executive decision. We're closing the company. You got 30 minutes to go get that same box and that same plant you came up up in, the, up in here with and leave the building two months before Christmas. So after working this hard to collect $6 million, I watched 100 people who work for a small business lose their jobs, lose their livelihood. And even though that happened to me years ago, it's been one of those things that happens. You know how there are things that happen to you in life, Angel, that you go, I don't ever want to end up here again. That was one of those things for me. And fast forward to today, looking at COVID happen and watch company after company, business after business close and people losing their livelihood. I was like, 
what can I do to share a message that will make a difference? And so I decided to, to work on this book, which actually was called Collect the Cash, which is the sale is not complete until the money's in the bank. But before we get into the book, it was the journey of me working for a company, losing my job and trying to figure out you know, what had happened was, and then more importantly, what can I do to not end up here again? Wow. And I've been through a layoff and losing a job and it's tough. And it's definitely one of those situations that changes you and changes you for the better, but also pushes you and makes you more resilient, makes you really work towards your goals a bit harder than the average person. And that's my opinion. I agree. I can definitely see how that can really thrust you into the world of being a successful entrepreneur and coming up with a book. And I've always said, I've always had this thing about corporate America and I believe in multiple streams of income. And I've always said, never keep that corporate check as your sole bread and butter. Or if you lose that job today, like, can you still pay your mortgage? Can you still pay your car payment? Because I was young when I went through a layoff. I was like 25. And there are people to this day, 40, 50 years old, never been through a layoff. And I'm like, well, just thank God that you haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to that's, come back that's, from. It is. And it's it and, and you raise one of one of the one of the uh, key pillars of life and of being an entrepreneur or, or just being a, a person, period. You have to have resilience. You have what they you have to have what they call bounce back. And my bounce back was after going through that journey and then going on to have a successful career and eventually launch my business. But I had to take a look at what happened. Because the thing is, I think one of the things that's really important that when you go through something in business or in life, that you take some time to reflect. A lot of people, they'll just brush through the experience and they won't gather the lessons. I didn't know then, like I know today, that that setback was setting me up for a comeback to to do the things I'm doing today, like being a guest on your podcast, like writing a book, like becoming a speaker, like doing all of these things. All I knew was that I was a part-time person, <laughs> a part-time employee working for this company. And I was like, man, how am I going to handle, I got bills to pay like everybody else. But what I didn't know, the deeper lessons was that I was going to dig in and learn about money. And I was going to learn about why it's so important to track how many accounts you have making sure that you're doing problem solving and you're doing customer service and you're doing gratitude and that when the invoices are submitted to your customers that you're tracking them and then if they're not if the payments aren't coming in to not neglect that but to get comfortable getting on the phone or following up with email to find out what transpired what is holding up the payment for us and then is there something that we as a company did or need to address and how do we fix it so that the, the check can get cut so those are things I didn't know back then, but those were lessons that I needed in order to be able to do the things I'm doing today. D, absolutely. And before we get into all the nitty gritty of, of recovery and invoicing, I want to rewind just a bit because I know we, we went a bit fast for the listeners. And so I want to go back to actually when you were getting into entrepreneurship, who taught you about business or how did you even learn how to start a business? Well, what's interesting, I started a business, uh, this is my second go around in starting a business. So about 10 years ago, I started a business, actually, I'd lost my job. And I've always done, I've always been a problem solver. And so that's what business is. Business is always solving a problem. And so I took a class, I actually took an entrepreneurship class uh, about 10 plus years ago. And I was like, okay, I'm going to plant my flag. I'm going to start this business. And so I spent eight weeks going to school. I went to school every week. 
and I created a business plan and a financial plan and a marketing plan and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, yep, I got it. I'm going to get out here. I'm going to launch this. And so I got out and I tried to start this business. And then there were things that I didn't know that I didn't realize that I cannot do all of the components. I needed a team, but I was so headstrong at the time that I said, okay, if I do this, I'm going to get it done. Well, I went out there and I, I mean, I made some money and I collected some accounts and I did that, but I didn't do well. I didn't make enough money to sustain the business. And so I ended up actually having to close it and go back into my career. And so I'll share, I shared that because there may be some people who are listening now who are like, I would never tell that story. Well, here's the thing. Anybody who is truly successful, if they don't tell you the hard times, then you're not going to be able to appreciate the good times. The reason I get to tell you the story today is because I had that experience 10 years ago and I did mess up and I did get into a lot of debt. I did have to come up with a plan to pay off my debt. I did have to go back to work and I did have to start my, go back to my career, which I'm grateful that I had because I needed to go. I need, there were some things I needed to hone in terms of my career so that the next time that I wanted to create another revenue stream, I knew that number one, I will maintain my day job. And then number two, I will do the side hustle, the side gig. I will not just jump out here and go full steam ahead into, into entrepreneurship without knowing all of the components. When I did it 10 years ago, I was younger, but I, I just knew that I knew what I knew about business because I had taken these classes. Well, it is taking classes is one thing, but when the rubber meets the road is when you actually have to take what you learned in the classroom and actually apply it. I didn't connect all the dots. And so unfortunately I made some mistakes and I'm just grateful that I had a skill set that allowed me to go back into the, into my career and regroup. And then the second time around, I decided that I would maintain my career, which is what I still have. So I'm what's called a dual entrepreneur. So I still have a career and I'm building this business on a part-time basis. So this is my second stream of revenue. And what I love about this is that you've used your skills that you've learned in your career to start your business. Mm -hmm. I tell people this all the time when, when people are looking to start a business and people are saying, well, I don't know what I'll do. What will my business be about? I say, anyone can start a business. Anyone can start a service. You don't necessarily have to come up with this amazing product. The things that you do every single day in your job, you can do that for someone else outside of your corporate career and start a company. And that's essentially what I did. <laughs> Spent seven years of my career in finance and started a business consulting company. And I try to really explain that and how multiple streams of income are so important. So I'm so glad that this is something that you've done and you get it. So it's amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, it's important. And for the listeners, I think there's a lot of hype, as I'd like, as I like to say on these social media streets, there's a lot of hype about, yeah, just jump. Well, the people that tell you to just jump are setting you up for failure. The most successful people who are in business usually are ones that take their time. They're trying to figure out this idea that they have, and they're trying to find a market to test it out to see if it works before they go full in. Dee, you are right on the money. <laughs> okay, one, let's go back to the hype of social media, because there is so much hype. You'll hear people say, quit your job, take my course, and learn how to start a business. And people want to charge four or 5000 Like You're not going to be successful in starting a business overnight. You have to plan on it. And I'm so glad that you pointed out some of the most important factors, such as the financial part. We're both financial people here. Mm -hmm. You have to have money. One, how are you going to pay your bills and fund your business? And then two, separating your personal 
expenses and income from your business income expenses. That is the number one thing I always see with new entrepreneurs is they don't have a business account. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) They don't have a business plan. They don't have a business account. Oh gosh, it's a hot mess because they haven't sat down and taken the steps to plan and learn about what it takes to actually start a business. They're just jumping straight into it head first. And you shouldn't do that. You do have to plan. I'm also a dualpreneur. So I still Mm -hmm. work in corporate and most people are asking me now is why are you still working in corporate? Because your business is so successful. I have a financial plan and I actually was one of the people who jumped head first years ago and quit corporate without the plan. And I was like, this is, this is not the life for me. (laughs) (laughs) I like to be able to do things. So there's sacrifice when you're starting a business, but I was like, wait a minute, Mm, you know what? I want to be a little bit more financially secure. And so now when I got there, I was like, I think I managed being able to do both and doing both successfully. It it really depends on your business as well. Absolutely. And and one of the things I would, another thing I would tell your business owners is that it's part of starting a business. I mean, it's, it sounds so glamorous. Oh my gosh, I'm a business owner. I, I, I own such and such a company, LLC or incorporated or corporation or whatever it is. It sounds phenomenal. Here's the part. (laughs) You got to do the work for it to be phenomenal. So here's three things that you need off the brink. You have to do what's called articles of organization which is basically creating your business name and registering it with your state, number one. Number two, you need what's called an EIN number. EIN stands for Employer Identification Number, which basically is the social security number for your business, like you have your personal social security number for yourself. Number three, you need to open up a business checking account. I'll say it again, a business checking account. If you belong to a credit union, if you already are a member, they will allow you to open up a business checking account. I think it starts at a minimum of $100, especially with a credit union. And the reason you do this is because you are going to want to, as Angel was saying, to separate your expenses and you need a way to track everything. Because when you first start your business, like I said earlier, you're going to use your, your personal funds to get started. But when you're putting everything together, if you if you start learning how to track things separately, it makes it easier so that you're not co-mingling funds. You can say, these are my business expenses, these are my personal expenses, and never the two shall meet. I understand in the, bit, in the beginning, you make those mistakes, it happens to the best of us, but if you're listening to this podcast, one of the things we want you to take away is that, number one, articles of organization, which basically allows you to register your business in this, and then whatever state you in, number, state you live in. Number two, EIN stands for employer, identification number, which you get free for free from the IRS. IRS.gov is how you get that. And number three is your business checking account, which allows you, if you, like I said, if you belong to a credit union, you're already a member, I think, to get started with them. And I think the minimum to open up the business checking account, I think is $100. I would recommend you do that. And then you start to learn how to do that. Because I understand now because people are using PayPal and Stripe and a whole bunch of other things and cash up. And they're thinking, oh, that's my business. My, that's my business checking account. No, those are merchant processors that allow your money to be moved from one thing to another. Even if you have a PayPal account, if you have a PayPal business account, it's still tied to a checking account. So you're better off to get things set up correctly the first time so you don't have to go back and undo and have a bigger mess in the end. Absolutely. A few years ago, I had this live stream from Periscope floating around where the title was PayPal is not your bank account. So mm-hmm. many people watch that live stream that now, of course, Periscope has gone away. And now Clubhouse is now the most popular 
social media app. I was on Clubhouse and I was in a room and someone says, I remember you. You did that live stream years ago that said PayPal is not your bank account. (laughs) (laughs) It went almost viral. It was so hilarious. But I was like, stop using PayPal. You need a bank account. So Dee, we just had a great conversation on separating your business and personal income expenses, et cetera. I really want to hone in on invoices for a business because your specialty involves revenue recovery. Now, for someone who's starting a business and let's say they do have a client and they're invoicing their client, what's the average invoice time they should allow their customer time to pay? Well, you should plan on net 30, which means 30 days from the date that the services are provided. It also depends on your contract terms. So you might say that you have to, you're going to bill your client and you're expecting payment within 14 days. You have to specify in your contract how you're going to bill them and then how you're going to get paid. So what about the, the payment size or the amount of the service or the product? Because I would think if someone's using net 30 or net 60, it's probably a large payment. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about with some of the businesses that you're helping, what's the average amount of payments that you're seeing on these invoices that are net 30, net 60? Ideal from 5,000 and on up. Also, again, I'm talking about coming from in a corporate space in the government space. So we're, I could be dealing with invoices that are worth $5,000, $50,000, $100,000 or more. So D, you're teaching small businesses how they can solve their cash flow problems. And you have a three-step system, right? Mm-hmm. Can you share that with us? Is that in the book? It is actually in the book. So one of the things I teach you is that business to business collections is three things. It's problem solving. Number one It's basically y'all are going to love this. It's answering the question. What happened was because in business, regardless of what, what, where you are in business, you will normally have one of those. What had happened was issues. Let's say, for example, you ordered 10 cents of sneakers from your favorite vendor and you get the box and you get eight sets of sneakers instead of 10. The first thing that's going to happen, well, what happened? Which equals problem solving. The order said 10 sets of sneakers. They delivered eight. You're going to get on the phone and you're going to want to ask them, okay, I placed the order for 10 sneakers. I only received eight. Now, if they're doing good customer service, they're going to apologize for the fact that you did not receive your full order. Number two, they're going to want to work with you to make things right. The companies that we admire We admire them because they've done these three things. They do problem solving, they do customer service, and they do gratitude. Yes, it works. You have this saying, collect the cash matters. Can you delve a bit deeper into that? Well, I say what what I say is that collect the cash. The sale is not complete until the money's in the bank. And why it matters is this. When you are in business, you are in business to make money. And when you're not making money, that's a problem. I talk about the sale is not complete until the money's in the bank. It's like this. Whenever you go to a, a store, where, unless you pay cash, normally you, you use your debit card or your credit card and you're swiping it for the payments and you're waiting for these two magical words, transaction approved. Transaction approved is a short way of saying the sale is not complete until the money's in the bank. Well, why that matters is that you, you will not get to leave the store whatever store it is, until you get those two magical words on that receipt. So D, is it ever okay for a business to leave money on the table? Let's say they've been trying to collect it past due invoice and it's been 
two, three months, what should be the plan of attack from there or with your company and you're helping these companies actually go after the money that they're, they're owed? How long do you do this for? Well, that's in, in accounts receivable, you've got what's called current uh, 30, 60, 90 days past due. I never want to see any customer lose money, but sometimes you have to decide this account is just not worth the the effort to get it. Now, obviously, again, you have to look at your cash flow. If you have enough cash flow that you're able to basically write this debt off, then you can do that. You can do that. The objective is basically if you're learning to track your accounts and you are following up on a regular basis, you should not be have money to leave on the table. And if there's money left on the table, we're coming back to the question of what had happened was, why is this happening? What's the problem? You have to, you, basically accounts receivable and business collections is problem solving. What happened? Why are you leaving money under the table? Okay. There was a transaction that didn't go right. There was a problem that has not been resolved. There's an invoice that was not properly submitted. Something went wrong in the sales journey. Before you are leaving money on the table, you have to figure out why, what happened to get you here? And then what are you willing to do? There are times that you may have to decide, I don't want to have to fight anymore with this customer about the money. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a hit and I'm going to lose this. But the thing is, even if you do that, there are lessons in that. So that number one, when this, when the signs start to show up that, okay, you're making the phone calls, you're running into challenges that they're, they're not responding. There has to be, okay, what am I going to do so that this doesn't happen to me again? Because the goal is not for you to lose money. The goal is for you actually to get paid for what you've provided, whether a product or a service. All this money talk is really prepped us for my next question. <laughs> and now a part of my brand on the consumer side is balling on a budget where we're talking about financial literacy. And of course, that phrase has been around for many years. It's been around since the 90s. I always like to hear my guest's point of view or what is your perspective of that particular phrase? Can you give us your personal definition? That's a good question. I guess balling on a budget for me would be learning. I would ball on a budget if I was able, if I successfully completed the 52 week savings challenge and I had that money set aside, which allows me to have about $1,500 that allows me to ball on a budget, which means that whatever I plan to do, that the money is already set aside. I'm not going into debt to ball or to live lavishly. I, I can pay for everything in cash. I'm old school, so I, I actually like paying for things in cash. I actually, I don't have a problem saving up for the things I wanna do. That's just a baseline but or more, but starting with that and then knowing that's gonna be my my balling on a budget money. So that's that's cash that's readily available for me to do the things that I like to do within my budget, whatever. And everybody has to determine what is your budget? What are the things that you like to do? And then you can plan for it. I learned a lesson a long time ago that you can actually fund F-U-N-D your F-U-N. So fund F-U-N-D means plan for it. Just like you have a budget, just like you have everything else. You can write on your budget fund F-U-N and then set aside money to fund it. So you can actually ball on a budget. I love it. <laughs> I love it, D. I want to get into where the listeners can find your book. So Amazon website, can you drop some links for us? I certainly can. Well, first of all, as we get ready to wrap this up, thank you so very much for this opportunity to be a guest on the podcast and talk about all things milestones, motivation, and money. So collect the cash. The sale is not complete until the money's in the bank. It's available on my personal web website, which is www.collectthecash.biz forward slash book. If you get it for me personally, you get a signed autograph copy and a bookmark. Otherwise, you're able to go to Amazon. Barnes and Nobles, Walmart, Target, and Books a Million. 
And where can our listeners find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook. Instagram is Decollects. Facebook is Devoted. Instagram again is uh, Decollects and LinkedIn is Devoted. Well, Dee, thank you so much for being here. I've enjoyed the conversation. A lot of nuggets that are here in the conversation. Any last words for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. Listen, I would tell you, number one, don't be afraid to start your side gig. If you're, first of all, if you're still blessed to be employed, give gratitude for the fact that you're still employed. That's number one. Number two, if hopefully you, you, you've got something from this conversation, if you, which is keep your day job and start your side gig. Number three, plan to put some money aside. I, all I want you to do is have a framework for having some money to start putting some money aside so that you can start to fund your dreams. And I would tell you, don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Investing in yourself means listening to podcasts like this. It means taking classes. It means reading books. It means recognizing you you don't know what you don't know, and that's okay. Everybody that we admire at some point didn't know what they know today, but they invested in themselves. They were willing to get uncomfortable so they could learn more, so they could be more and do better. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money.